I'm Victoria, and this podcast is all about running, marathon training, and run coaching. It is packed with useful tips to help you grow as a runner. I am a 13-time Boston qualifier and mom of two who started running as an adult. I learned a lot on my journey, and in 2014, I launched an online run coaching business to help other runners. Now, we employ several run coaches and are one of the largest online run coaching companies. We teach you the secrets to reaching your potential in the sport of running. We give real talk discussing personal stories of injuries, setbacks, and PRs. Think of this as a conversation with serial marathoners who share the lessons that we learned along the way. This is the Run for PRs podcast. Today we're doing another episode of Ask the Coaches. So we ask you guys on Instagram what questions you wanted us to answer during the podcast. And we got five great questions sent in and I just took the first five that were asked and they were all pretty applicable to all runners and just topics I think in general that are good to talk about. Um, So I'll give you a preview of what the five questions are and then we'll kind of dive in and do a deep dive into each one of the questions based on our own experience and what works well for the runners we coach and obviously for ourselves personally. So the first question is, what should you eat before a run? The second question was, my goal is a sub five hour marathon. Will the three hour long run rule be enough? So we've talked a lot about rules for long runs and one of the ones that we talk a lot about is that we should cap long runs at three hours and not go much over that because the risk for injury really starts to increase at that three hour mark and the rewards or benefits that you really get from running over three hours are not very high at all so we always like to balance that risk versus reward So this person's a little bit concerned because she wants to run a five-hour marathon. So if your longest long run is three hours, she's trying to like mentally conceptualize and like build that confidence that it's going to be enough to get you to a five-hour marathon. Um, Because, you know, that three-hour long run rule, if you're someone who's running maybe a four-hour marathon or a 3.30 marathon, it doesn't really impact as much mentally to you because you're like, well, I'm only have to run 30 or 40 more minutes during the marathon. But when someone's marathon goal is like five, six, seven hours, it starts to kind of be a little daunting. So we'll talk a little bit about back-to-back long runs and our recommendations there. So the third question was, what are the top three workouts for marathon training? So this is a really great question and I think a lot of people get marathon training wrong, right? So there's so many things that you can Google online. Um, A lot of free plans will pop up and some of the free plans that popped up back when I was trying to figure all of these things out for the first time over a decade ago were like doing speed work and doing intervals. And so I I spent a lot of time maybe doing the wrong workouts um, where I could have done more marathon specific workouts. And maybe that's more common knowledge now, but we are gonna talk about what workouts are better for the marathon distance and what you should really be focusing on because at the end of the day we only get so many runs within a marathon training cycle and we only get so many workout days that we can do so we really want to optimize um, the benefits and figure out what the best runs are for the event you're training for 
So the fourth question was, how do I get motivated again after prolonged time off? So as we're recording this, this is like the week after Christmas, um, and we're going to be releasing this in the new year. So a lot of people have taken time off. I know even just um, from our business standpoint, um, about like 20 to 15% of our runners took time off in November and December and now are coming back and a lot of people didn't run at all. Um, some people are just struggling with that motivation and a lot of it just boils down to getting out of that routine. And so how do you get back? And we're going to talk a little bit about how to do that. And then the fifth question is, how can I avoid chafing? So this is a really interesting topic. I don't think we've ever really talked about this on the podcast, which is exciting. So we'll talk about um, things that work for chafing and this individual I really loved the way she framed up this question because she said, I have the anti-chafes, I have um, whatever sticks that, and they don't work. And I'm like, yes, thank you. They do not work for me either. So we're going to be talking about what to do in the cases where it doesn't work for you and the body glide, if that just doesn't work and you're like, I don't get it, it I still chafe, um, I'm going to share some of my tips with you. Um, yeah, so I guess we'll just dive in. So the first one is a pretty popular question that maybe newer runners might ask or someone who's getting into eating before the runs for the first time. So sometimes people, they start running and they're in like this running while fasted state. And as you train for longer distance races, it becomes really important to practice fueling and to eat before your runs because you're actually going to perform better if you're in a fed state. Um, and there's just a lot of nutritional science that goes behind that. And so if you're interested in any of that stuff, I think working with a registered dietitian is super important. So we do have two registered dietitians on staff here at run for prs And if you're interested in that, I would go to www.runforprs.com, then do the drop down menu, work with us and nutrition, fill out the form there and you can talk with one of them right away. Um, but this is so individualized person to person. So I'm just going to share what works for me and kind of my own personal experience. So Jason, I'll have you start. What works for you when it comes to eating before a run and what do you recommend your runners do? Yeah, it's a great question. I think, you know, over the years I've shifted to more of a morning runner. So, you know, my pre-run kind of ritual or diet looks a little bit different than it used to. Um, if I'm planning on running, you know, within about 90 minutes of waking up, my breakfast is going to be much smaller. Um, but if it's like two, two and a half hours after, I might just eat like a normal breakfast and then go on my run. So for me, a normal breakfast would look like um, either like a waffle, piece of toast, um, some sort of card like that, maybe maybe pancakes, um, and then with some protein, so either eggs or maybe yogurt, um, and then fruit, so berries, raspberries, um, banana, and that sort of thing, and then uh, maybe some orange juice, some coffee, and water. Um, if I am going to, you know, be running fairly quickly after waking up, I definitely want to eat something. So I might, I might not have time to eat the full breakfast or I may not want that much food in my system. So I might just kind of do the piece of toast with some peanut butter and a banana. And then that's basically it. Or if I'm even, uh, short on time, I might just grab like a bar of some sort. So, you know, we've shared, you know, we'll probably share some of the bars we like, but over the years I've probably turned to the RX bar or like a perfect bar. Those seem to be good options. Um, I think there's a new one out, the Gold Mama Chia. I like that one a lot as well. So those are kind of the quick and easy, you know, pre-morning um, foods that I would eat. And then when I used to be an afternoon runner, you know, I'd probably run like middle of the afternoon. At, you know, going from lunch until three to four o'clock was not enough for me. I, I didn't get an, I, I needed a snack before my run. So then I would always supplement with some sort of like bar or um, just something that was convenient that I could take with me. So maybe it is a banana, but it's also 
um, you know, some like a fruit stick or a cheese stick or otherwise a bar would, would be something I would have right before the run. Yeah, that's a lot of really good tips. And I think it really depends on what time of day you're running, right? So yeah. just like you, when I first got into running, I worked a job where it was really early mornings. So I would run in the afternoon, maybe around like three o'clock, four o'clock. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would try to maybe have like a, a lighter lunch. So breakfast was like the heartiest meal of the day because it was like pretty far away from my run. Um, I had like a lighter lunch and then I would have a little snack like you mentioned before the run. And so those snacks really right before the run, I tried to aim for something maybe that's like higher in sugar and car- carb content. So mm-hmm. something you're going to use kind of like as fuel on your run and something that also sits well with your stomach. So a lot of bars that sit well with my stomach, bananas, those sort of things. I mean, even I think crackers used to be kind of like yeah. a go-to for me even just because like in the afternoon, that's more of like afternoon snack for me anyways. Um, but then like refueling right away after with like a, a big dinner and, and stuff like that. Uh, shifting to morning running was really challenging for me. Um, I'm not really necessarily a morning person. I kind of need a little bit of time to like warm up to even like talk to people in the morning. Um, so it was really a struggle, but yeah, even just like the thought of eating in the morning uh, that early when you're waking up even earlier to go on a run than you normally do, you might not feel hungry and that lack of appetite. I would just be like, whatever, I'm not going to eat. Um, but eventually, you know, as get more into running you start to realize the science behind it that like okay eating before run is actually beneficial and it's really good to train your stomach um how to perform while you are in a state where you just ate food before Mm -hmm. and the stomach training is really important because when you go to like do races like a marathon and you're trying to run a PR, you are going to perform better if you have fueled properly before and during the run. And so if all of your training is done in a fasted state, your body might really react poorly if you try to first implement this um, on race day, right? So I knew it was really important to start practicing the fueling. Um, So things that I started with were similar. You really want to make sure that you're going to be eating something that sits well with your stomach um, and start with something that's light. Like if you are someone who's like, I can't eat before my run, I just can't do it, I'll get stomach cramps, I get stomach ache, we'll start with something really small. So I like to think of the brat diet when we're thinking about foods before a run. So that's something that you would eat after having like the flu, right? It's something that you would eat if you were having some stomach issues, something that's going to sit well with your stomach. So that's going to look like toast, um, oatmeal, applesauce, bananas. These are all really good options that sit well with your stomach. Um, And they are also good options before run because they have like that higher carb content. Um, So I think I started with like half a banana and like half a piece of toast just because, and I would like nibble on it. And then gradually over the course of that first summer, um, I got down to like being able to eat a piece of toast with a banana, right? And then now it's like I could eat anything before a run and my stomach can just really handle it better. So just really giving yourself grace and starting small with something like the brat diet, right? So like toast, oatmeal, banana, and just maybe like a small just bite and then go on your run and then the next week try to have it be like half the banana and a piece of toast and whatever um so gradually increasing it over time if you're someone who absolutely says oh you know i can't eat before a run another tip that i know some of our dietitians will share is that you can drink some of the calories um so having a gatorade with your toast or whatever that can definitely help get the carb content up 
Yeah, all good points. And, you know, especially for runners who get out the door super early in the morning, you know, I have a couple that run at like 4 or 5 a.m. You know, it's tough to find the time and motivation to maybe eat something right as you wake up, especially if you're not like hungry yet. Um, and so maybe you're forced to experiment on the weekends or mm-hmm. um, just kind of forcing yourself to slip something in there, um, you know, like something that is readily available. So it's a quick grab and go option because like you said, uh, if you are going to be training for longer races, it's best to um, put your body kind of through uh, the experimental rounds, right? Of like, how is it going to react to this and that so that you know what, what fuel is going to help you for race day. Um, and so... Yeah, I definitely like the brat diet as well. Pretty much, I, I've always been one that could pretty much eat, um, you know, mostly anything and go on a run within, especially if I have like 90 minutes to digest. That seems to be a lot. Unless I just ate like a Chipotle burrito, I might need like two hours. But you know what I mean? Like, so for the most part, I can eat pretty normal. If I'm planning to run that's about 90 minutes or more, um, I'm not too shy of like of overdoing it or I'm not going to eat till I'm like stuffed, obviously. But I'm going to eat like a pretty healthy amount of food and so uh, but again if it's under 90 minutes or an hour or so if i'm going to be running shortly i'm probably going to stick to just like two or three quick smaller options so that i don't like overdo it but i definitely want to kind of jump start um my system and kind of get the um you know like you were mentioning the the uh, the low glycemic index going as well so the higher sugary foods does um or high glycemic index yeah. be. so um low glycemic would be something i'm eating like hours beforehand right. but so, um, yeah, I think, you know, find, find something that maybe if this is a new concept for you, definitely find something that, uh, can be an option that's readily available and then just kind of experiment, like, you know, try different bars. There's a ton of brands out there and some have higher carb content, higher protein content and whatnot. So, yeah, good. All good points. And wrapping up that question, I know runners can talk about food forever. Mm-hmm. Um, going into that next question is my goal is a sub five hour marathon, Will a three-hour max long run be enough? So we talked a little bit about how, you know, those the marathoners who are going to be out there for like five, six, seven hours, um, you know, that three-hour long run rule can be tough because like mentally it just seems like such a big gap to bridge, like going more than half of the duration on race day. Um, and so we really recommend that rule for a variety of different reasons. The first one is that the risk for injury goes up after the three hour mark. And this is researched. The second reason is that there's not a lot of benefits that you're going to get running over three hours. Um, the sweet spot for long runs is really like around that two hour mark. So the more runs you can get, you know, between, 90 minutes and two and a half hours that's going to be really optimal in building your endurance and i think sometimes we overemphasize like the 20 mile long run when in reality you might be better prepared if you do a lot of 90 to two hour long runs in in a marathon build up yeah i've had some athletes over the years that you know they they always want to run like the 20 mile long run but for some that might take them like four hours and so it's you know, you have to weigh the pro, pros and cons of if you run the 20 miles, um, what are your next like three, four days going to look like after that? Because if you need like two or three rest days and then your first run back is only like two or three miles, um, and it just takes you a few days to kind of get your legs behind you again. You'd be better off running shorter. Like you said, can't maxing your runs maybe at like two and a half hours, two hours, 45 minutes, and maybe um, pairing it with something a little bit medium long the day before. And so that's something that I've kind of helped athletes realize. Again, this is going to really depend on the individual and kind of their experience. And, you know, I'd, I'd be interested to know, like, how um, many marathons this person's done if your goal is sub five. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because the answer might look different for 
a first time or second time marathoner than a 10 or 12 time marathoner. And so I think it just depends on kind of the volume of your training um, over the years and how consistent you've been. Yeah. And really looking at the overall picture, right? So you're the sum of what you do in the entire week. So if you're doing not a lot of mileage during the weekday and then you just like are hoping that you can just bank all this time on one long run i think there's just better ways that you can optimize your training and so looking at what are the other things that you can tweak to really start gaining more endurance is going to be a huge key and i think the back-to-back long runs is a good starting point like doing one 90 minute run on friday night and then waking up the next day and doing a two-hour long run um, running longer on on tired legs is going to help you build endurance and it's also going to reduce that risk of injury Um, and also remembering the accumulated effects of running on fatigue legs so running a 15 mile long run in the middle of a 45 mile week when that's like your peak week for marathon training is a lot different than running a marathon when you're on tapered legs and so you really have to think about all the factors that go into the marathon another thing that's really good an analogy i like to use is the people who do ultra marathons so like 50 100 mile races um the 100 mile for example a lot of people like this distance um it's it's popular uh, but what you're never going to see someone do in training for a 100 miler is do a 80 mile long run. And that's essentially what you would be doing if you wanted to do, you know, a 20 mile long run training for 26.2. Um, it's the same, it's almost like the same percentage of the run. Maybe it's more like doing a 70 mile long run. But anyways, if you're training for a 100 miler, typically what we see people do for these, um, we've trained a few people for them and a lot of the plans that you'll see online it's a lot of the back-to-back-to-back long run. So it's going to be like a Friday, Saturday, Sunday combo long run. So it might look like Friday you're doing 10, um, Saturday you're doing 20, and Sunday you're doing like 24. Uh, and so you're really not ever going to go more than between you know 20 to 30 miles on any given long run training for that 100 miler. You may do a 50-mile ultra marathon in your buildup or in your training, but typically you're not going to go more than 30 miles. And so that's one third, not even one third of the race distance. So you're doing about 25 to 30% of the race distance in one run. And yet these people are still able to really run well at the 100 mile distance. And so you have to ask yourself, okay, how would that, you know, translate to a marathon? Um, Okay. That would be like most of your long runs being capped at like 13 miles. And so it's, it's well, actually, no, less. It would be like six miles. So it's just the accumulation of miles. And then after a certain point, there does become um, a point where it's, it's a little bit more of like a mental game if your endurance is there. Yeah, really good points. And it, it kind of leads into the next question about the workouts. But, um, you know, the goal of getting to your race, your marathon, you, you, you got to be healthy, number one. So that's the most important thing. And right. so you can't do anything to jeopardize that. And so kind of training smart, making sure that your long run progression, it, it, you know, making sure that your long run does follow like a progressive overload. You don't just want to go from 12 to 16 to 20, you know what I mean? So it's very important that you do kind of ease into it to make sure you, you know how your body's going to react and, and adapt. And so uh, the best way to do that is to start with some kind of medium back-to-back long runs and just see how that goes. And then you can kind of build up from there. Yeah, definitely. All really good points. And so the next question is our top three workouts for marathon training. Um, This is one I think a lot of people get wrong and specific one workout I really want to like call out that I do not think is a good marathon specific workout are the Yazos 800. So 
Marathon training, you really want to build your aerobic system. You're going to want to work on lowering your threshold and really building like a huge aerobic base. And if you only have so many workouts in a week, I would really prioritize a long run and doing some threshold work. Um, where speed work really comes into play is not necessarily in marathon training because um, the marathon distance in and of itself is 99% aerobic. So you really want to build that aerobic system. Speed work, yes, it is important, but if you only have so many days to do workouts and the marathon is only 1% anaerobic, it doesn't really make a lot of sense to focus on building your speed and your anaerobic fitness during a marathon specific build for most recreational or even competitive runners. Um, once you reach a certain level, yes, it will become more important. So if you're looking at what elites do for training, yeah, they're probably gonna do a little bit more speed work within a marathon training cycle just because um, the level that they're at, there's so many reasons, but for most competitive athletes or even just recreational athletes, you really just want to want to spend the majority of the time building that aerobic system and it's not a lot of flashy speed work. Yeah, definitely. You know, um, steady state runs, which is basically your marathon pace, um, slightly slower than, and then threshold running that those are kind of the bread and butter. Um, so when I'm making a training plan for somebody, I'm making sure that there's, you know, at least, um, one of those workouts every other week at, at, at the most or at the minimum because I want to make sure that um, you know the athletes recovering from anything if they're doing anything faster than that it's not, it's going to be sprinkled in so for some athletes that are a little bit more advanced they may get that occasional speed workout but if you're kind of a beginner there's really no need to go much faster than threshold pace um, you could throw in some strides every now and then um, I guess for me my favorite three workouts for the marathon distance to prescribe or to maybe do myself would probably be something like a steady state run um, with a few like accelerations built into it and so that could look different depending on the level of athlete that you're at um, but that just helps you kind of teach your body and mind to recover on your marathon pace so it's kind of nice to pick up the pace but then to dial it back um, and then another one would be maybe doing like a small fart like beforehand so you're actually getting the faster stuff out of the way at the beginning and then you're recovering on your steady state pace so again kind of teaching your mind and body that you can handle this pace even on tired legs those would be some of my favorite um you know, marathon specific workouts that you can kind of start really easy and you can kind of tailor them, make them more advanced uh, to match the level of the runner. Yeah, I like to stick with like really boring runs that are pretty traditional, right? Like mile repeats, one and a half mile repeats, 1.25 mile repeats, 10 minute repeats, you know what I mean? Like just a mm -hmm. lot of like repeats, two mile repeats, three mile repeats. Yep. Like it's just pretty much, you know, we're doing lots of long steady a lot of that will be at threshold or half marathon pace or marathon pace right so it's just a lot of stuff um in the threshold marathon or half marathon pace range if you're doing workouts um maybe some faster stuff sprinkled in like strides but really there's not a lot of need for doing anything faster than threshold even um for me personally just because like i know i've never really met my aerobic um aerobic potential in the marathon distance i'm still probably um, like 10 plus minutes away from, you know, what VDOT says I can say. So what that means is I need to build my aerobic engine better, right? So that's really what I focus on when I'm marathon training. Um, a lot of that can look like medium long runs during the week and a long run on the weekend, and that can be done at an easy pace. So sometimes people think you have to do like all these flashy workouts, but a lot of, uh, it boils down to just easy running, right? <laughs> a lot of easy miles and just time on your feet and accumulation over time. Okay, so question number four, how to get motivated again after time off. So this is a really hard one. 
Um, I personally have a really hard time getting back into the groove of things after time off. Um, I haven't really taken a lot of time off just because I don't, I mean, the times that I do, it's typically after giving birth or something like that. Um, and so I do find it really challenging to get back into things and maybe it's not really fair because it's like I have a big life change at the same time, but Sometimes when I'm getting back into it again, I'll be like, oh my gosh, like this is how much time I used to dedicate to running or like how did I ever do this every day? And there's just like a lot of these reality checkpoints along the way where you're like, how did I ever run X miles a week? Um, how how did I do this every single day almost? Um, those sort of things. And I think it's pretty normal to have those types of thoughts. I know you've taken more um, like not structured time off, but you've taken like a lot more time off um, and then come back into training. So like, are those similar feelings like what you've experienced and just like normalizing that? Oh yeah, for sure. I've had a lot of thoughts, you know, just knowing that I used to be able to run 45 to 60 miles a week consistently, you know, and, and then when I think about, wow, that's what it takes to kind of get back to that level of fitness, you know, you question like, is it worth it? But for me, it always kind of boils down to breaking it down to like week by week. And so if you can set a goal like for that week and it's just doing a little bit more than what you were doing, um, that's a little victory. And so um, I think the way to kind of generate momentum is to kind of feel like you could do more. Um, So you kind of want to end the week or end your runs feeling like, oh, that was was actually not bad at all. I kind of want more, right? You're hungry for more. more." And so that's kind of how I approach things. Um, But setting those goals from week to week is very helpful. So maybe it's not even a mileage goal, it could just be like, I wanna get out the door three times this week or four times this week, that sort of thing. And then you just kind of slowly build up from there. And so making those um, incremental you know, changes or increases from week to week is kind of how I generate that momentum. Um, and then just finding ways to motivate yourself on a daily basis to actually get the job done, whether that's run with a friend, change up your route, all those sorts of things, listen to a podcast. And so, um, yeah, it's been kind of interesting over the years because I've gone through a lot of different like seasons of change where I've train sort of inconsistently and then tr- train maybe for like or to take two weeks off versus two months off that sort of thing and so I kind of had experience coming back from all sorts of time off including injuries and stuff so um I've kind of had a lot of experience I guess trying to find what works but I always just like to kind of break it down and not look too far ahead because that can kind of cause you to get discouraged if you fall short yeah, a lot of good, really good points there. Um, one of the key takeaways is like doing less than you think that you should. And I know with people who come back, we talked a little bit about how there's that comparison trap and looking back at like where you used to be. Um, so coming back, like postpartum, it would be like, oh, like during pregnancy when I was like 20 weeks pregnant, I was running this much. And so like, I'll be like, oh, I should be able to do that, you know, after a couple weeks coming back, you'd think. But in reality, I think when we set those sort of expectations and when we have um, like a timeline for like where we like quote unquote want to be or like need to be like at a certain mileage or whatever, I just think that's like a recipe for disaster. And really what ends up happening is like injury or burnout. And that's even what happened to me the last time that I came back after having my second kid. It's like I had plantar fasciitis within three months. And so it's not really something that happens immediately as you come back. It could be something that like starts to come and bites you like a couple months later. Um, your body can really handle a lot, but it is eventually going to break if you do too much too soon. So I think it's really important to not look at the past and just focus on where you are currently. So if currently you haven't ran at all, 
um, next week, maybe set the goal to run like twice and separate the days by like two or three days. Um, and just do like a 20, 30 minute easy runs. And that's the thing is you can't rush coming back, even though it's really tempting. The new year's here. A lot of people want to like dive back in. You find an online training plan. You're like, oh, 30 miles a week. That's me. And it's like, nope, you need to start where you are and slowly, gradually build over time, setting those weekly benchmarks along the way. And I think it is good to have long-term goals so that you know kind of where you're headed. But I think you really need to be realistic with what those long-term goals are. So if you haven't ran in several months and maybe you didn't run at all during like COVID stuff, I think maybe not a great idea to sign up for a marathon in a couple of months. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe setting your sights on something smaller and really working towards whatever that goal is. Um, I know a lot of people want to have like these big grandiose goals because it really would maybe people think it's going to like, oh, it's really going to motivate me. But it really is more just like a fear thing and you're trying to like scare yourself into working out. So find something that's exciting and also attainable and set small benchmarks along the way to get there. So if you do want to run a marathon and you haven't really been running much, um, maybe set that marathon goal for a year away. And then where do you want to be in six months from now? Where do you want to be in three months from now? Set small goals to get there. Yeah, really good points. I was going to say the same thing. Like if you're coming off an extended period of time off you know don't set a date um, where you want to or don't have a time goal at a specific date kind of let the training play out see how you kind of gain fitness back maybe it takes you longer than you anticipated or maybe you gain fitness back quicker than you thought Um, and then too if you're someone that's kind of black or white where you just need to you know you're starting this new new year's resolution whatever it is where you want to just find that time to, to have your active time each day it doesn't have to be a run each day you know knowing that it should be progressive building back you can just um you know maybe go to the gym during that time each day but you do something different right you take a class or you do yoga or you strength train or cross train and so making sure that you're gonna do what it takes to stay consistent i think that's key for a lot of people is a you know if, if they're really only gonna run three or four days that first couple weeks back um if they miss a day or two, then it can become really easy to fall off the bandwagon. But at least if you're kind of, uh, you know, committing to this goal of staying active during this period, it's good to have um, some other activities too to keep you to keep you committed during that time. Yeah, definitely a lot of really good points, and a lot of people are in that bandwagon right now of coming back into things. So it's totally a normal experience, and just kind of setting your sights on week by week, day by day. So question number five was, how can I avoid chafing? And I feel like, Jason, you sometimes use, like, the body glide. And does that, like, work for you? See, I mean, I don't chafe a ton. Only if it's raining um, or if it's, like, super humid in the summer. Um, But I would use it ahead of time, like, before a marathon. And for the most part, I think it would help. Um, The only time it wouldn't would be, like, maybe the singlet over the nipples. Like, I'm not sure if it's that effective for that. But, um Right, yeah. so you don't chafe. Yeah, so I, I think don't there's chafe like, that that often though. Right, there, I mean, there's people who chafe and there's people who don't chafe, and so I think for people who don't really chafe or like you just said, n- don't chafe that often. So you guys grab the body glide and you're like, okay, this is good. Yeah. Um, and typically speaking, I don't really chafe, but when I'm pregnant, oh my gosh, right. yes, I chafe so bad. Like it's it's insane how you can go like you're in the same body, whatever, go from not chafing anywhere to literally chafing in like seven different spots. So. Mm-hmm. I found it really shocking, like how um, painful it can be to try to run after you've like chafed, you know, on one of your runs. So like the next day, it's like, oh my gosh, like what do I even like where to run? Or even like a couple days later, 
Um, and really like the body glide's like a joke in my opinion. If you're someone who's really going to chafe, like I've tried literally everything and it just, it just sometimes doesn't work, um, for whatever reason. Um, especially when your skin is like rubbing on skin or skin is rubbing on fabric, no amount of body glide is going to like fix, um, kind of a, a problem that's happening. Right. Uh, so some of the common areas that I personally chafe when I am pregnant are under the sports bra line. I think that's pretty common for, for most women. Um, under my arms, which is interesting. So it's not necessarily like my armpit, but it's like where my arm and my like back kind of right. the skin yep. would rub together. Um, and then in between the legs, obviously. Yeah. So I think that's a pretty common one. And, and a lot of people will message me sometimes and they'll see the shorts that I wear on runs. They're like, how do you not chafe? And typically like I, I don't chafe, but when I'm pregnant and it's like you gain a little weight, I'm chafing immediately, right? So in between the legs, it's definitely a spot. And so I will have to switch the shorts that I wear if I'm doing a longer run because I just like can't um, handle the chafing that occurs. So I will, my recommendation to anyone who's experiencing chafing and like the body glide just is not working, um, just understand that like you're not alone in that situation. There are a lot of people who like do not get relief from that. I would recommend really changing your clothing options, right? So looking at fabrics that are more of like a non-chafe, um, I know Lululemon makes a lot of clothing that is of like high quality material and I typically do not chafe when I'm wearing a lot of their stuff. Um, I feel like Ren and Rabbit, they, they claim that they're, mm. they're anti-chafe, but I mean, mm-hmm. it's kind of like at that point up for grabs. Um, <laughs> but bottom line is if you're covering the skin that's rubbing on the other part of the skin, so if you're wearing like a long sleeve if you're chafing kind of like in your underarm. I would always wear like a t-shirt. If you chafe between your legs, let's wear long shorts. Um, some of the long shorts that I really like are the Lululemon Align like 10 inch shorts. Um, those are like a spandexy, very like breathable, but yet they also cover um, pretty low down to like your knee so that you're not gonna be chafing in between the legs because I know that's really painful. Yeah, the only one I've you know had experience with is kind of the armpit area, and that's more oh, I yeah. notice in the summertime, like with long runs or like, yeah, super long races. Sometimes I wonder too if wearing if uh, if the deodorant kind of causes it to sting a little bit more than normal. So mm-hmm. maybe just shine away from the deodorant or trying a different deodorant product, and then potentially <laughs> I don't think shine away from deodorant on well, a long run. <laughs> well, just that day, you know, like take a shower that morning instead or something, and then yeah, just. Try for me the body glide has worked well for the armpits, um, mm, okay. but that's pretty much the only area. The inner thigh I haven't had too much um, problems with, but yes, I do remember fresh out of college a few races um, in the rain, and then just kind of mm. I don't know it goes away. It's kind of it, it kind of depends on the conditions, but for me it was always in in the rainy conditions, um, never just like during right. uh, nice days. So, but clothing is definitely something to think about there. Trying new things and. Right. Well, I mean, I think even during the summer, um, like if I'm doing like a 20 miler or something, that's really when chafing is going to be like a huge problem because it's like humid out. You're when you're really wet, that's where things just start to, to chafe a little bit more. And so Mm -hmm. the rain, if you're doing long runs where you're getting really, really sweaty, that's going to kind of exacerbate things. So you might be okay for most of your runs but you notice like why on some runs am I chafing well it's probably because you're going longer than you normally do or because it's a little bit warmer maybe you're inside running um and then looking at like what you're wearing when the chafing occurs so that's what I always kind of ask myself is like what was I wearing okay this is what I can do in the future to to avoid that it's just like changing um what I'm wearing and 
kind of like learning from, okay, like if I'm going to do a long run outside, I'm probably going to chafe, you know, if I am just, that's just how I am. Like if I'm pregnant, like if I'm going longer than like five miles outside and it's really hot. Um, so just understanding that it might happen. And if it does, some of the things that help me kind of like recover from that is putting, um, I know it's going to sound weird, but like a diaper rash cream on it actually helps a lot. And I know that because I was like just really desperate once. And when you have kids and you're like, oh, this kind of looks like a diaper rash, it actually helps soothe it a lot. So I might recommend like buying some Desodin and and putting that on Mm. your you're chafing yeah i think for like long races or long runs it's it, you might just expe- have to deal with it for that yeah that specific day and i think back to to before i i knew what body glide was is i would use vaseline and that seemed to work okay mm, yeah. for me yeah, so that races. definitely something to think about there but mm-hmm. um that's definitely an interesting question one we haven't gotten before um so that was that was a fun one but. yeah and then when i asked her a little bit more in detail she was saying mm-hmm. it was the under the sports bra line yeah. so i think that's a pretty common one and i unfortunately don't really have have really anything for that um cause yeah you've just, had that pretty bad and I, i've even like well i have it right now i mean it's just I'm like, like i look at it and i'm like how are you going to be able to run the next day because it looks painful but you know. always find a way to just maybe maybe you just wear a different bra that's like slightly on a different line or what like me what? No. no i don't know i just okay. i think like I mean, after you well you could put like a band-aid under it yeah. or something but sometimes i feel like you know, after I get into it, if it's not super severe chafing, mm-hmm. if I kind of get into the runs, like you, you forget about it. You don't really feel it anymore. So, yeah. yep, chafing is not fun, but there are definitely a lot of different ways that you can um, try to, you know, deal with it or avoid it from happening in the future. So hopefully. You enjoyed this episode of Ask the Coaches. We like doing this. We love helping runners. So if you're ever interested in a free seven-day trial working with one of our coaches, you can fill out the form at www.runforprs.com. We can get you set up with a free seven-day trial. Again, that is www.runforprs.com for a free seven-day trial. So just fill out the form there, and we can get you set up with a coach right away. Thanks for tuning in.